2: Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast. We're the mad men and women who commit themselves to commentating and opinionating on all things Saints FC. Firstly and most importantly, we're recording this episode on Remembrance Sunday, so we'd like to pay our respects to all the men and women who gave their lives for our country, lest we forget. A big shout out to Saints Archive owner Will Dorr, who laid the wreath on the pitch at St Mary's on Saturday ahead of the Everton game. Speaking of that match, yes, it was another depressing day at the office for Ralph Hasenhutl and his Saints side with yet another home defeat. We'll chat about some of the key takeaways from that. This episode will also see us hear from Joe Shetterline at Virgin Media and in particular the Saints women's team ahead of next weekend's first FA Women's Football Weekend. William Portus is a TSP patron and he's just written and produced a new short film called The Name. Later in the pod I'll talk to Will about where the idea came from, the reaction so far and what's next. Adam, Steve and Lucy are here with me. And before we get going, we've got some hopefully exciting news. We've been thinking about the last few weeks, what we might do for our 100th episode, because this is TSP 91. We think we've come up with a good idea, which hopefully you guys will appreciate. So Friday the 10th of January 2020 at 8pm at Five Rivers Sports Bar in Southampton, we'll see us host a live 100th episode of TSP and it will be in support of Saints Foundation. So with guests from the Foundation and also Saints Archive joining in, We'll be recording a live show with all proceeds going to Saints Foundation and you can be there. Tickets, which are limited, will be £10 plus a small booking fee. There'll be more details on that in a minute. There'll also be an auction with some great Saints offerings. Adam, as I doubt there'll be any chat about current on-pitch activities by then, it should be a great evening of uh, hopefully fun and generosity.
3: Yeah, really looking forward to it already. It'll be great and it'll be. I'm hoping that um, some people will turn up as well. Uh, it's, a, it's a good cause and... Well, I think there'll be plenty of opportunities to chat uh, for the live pod
2: and off the record afterwards so we'll, Indeed. yeah it should be a really good night Absolutely and uh, Steve I think you know we've been working hard with the uh, Saints Foundation over the last few weeks so uh, Greg and his team to try and uh, make it work so brilliant to be able to do something alongside them with uh, proceeds going to them and uh, we'll be hearing from them during the uh, evening as well yeah, looking forward to it.
1: Should be uh, something something a little bit
2: different, and obviously no no outtakes possible on this one.
4: That's making Ben nervous.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'll have a beat button with me. Um, Lucy, I I know you're hoping to be there. It's subject to annual leave as we speak. But uh, look, um, assuming you can be there, then uh, yeah, obviously looking forward to it. And I guess the way things are going at the moment, at the very least, it will probably feel like a, a bit of a group counselling session.
4: Yeah, I am worried for us by the time that comes, given what this <laughs> this one might look like, let alone that one. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, looking forward to it. Yeah, if only for own, like, solidarity purposes
2: than actual analysis. Exactly, exactly. So, well, no, as uh, the guys say, I'm definitely excited. I think also, uh, I'm sure, uh, a little nervous as well, but we'll certainly do our best to make it a fantastic evening. So if you'd like to come along, and we would truly love to see you there, tickets will be available via the Eventbrite website, um, www.eventbrite, which is E-V-E-N-T and then B-R-I-T-E, .co.uk, and they'll be on sale from 9 a.m. on Monday, the 11th of November. So depending on when you're listening to this, if it's first thing or overnight tonight, Sunday, then uh, they'll be on sale from tomorrow morning if you just search for total saints podcast um, 100 episode you should be able to find it and as i say tickets will be 10 pound plus a small booking fee so if you enjoy tsp and would like to support saints foundation please get yourself a ticket Likewise, if there's anything that you'd like us to consider discussing at the event or uh, anything that you want us to see on the agenda, why not use the hashtag TSP100Live. Um, you can comment on our Facebook page or email saintspodcast at yahoo.com and uh, we'll uh, welcome any ideas. So, as I say, Friday the 10th of January 2020, 8pm at the Five Rivers Bar in Beavis Valley. Let's get on with the pod, TSP91, in partnership with Saints Archive and Saints World and sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. I'd really love a hot tub,
4: but I don't know where to start. How easy is the process?
0: It's as easy as one, two, three. Who are you? I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs. One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. Happyhottubs.co.uk
2: Another home defeat for Saints, Southampton 1, Everton, who hardly ever win at Saints and can't win away too. Adam, we had a quick chat before we uh, came on the pod tonight. We've decided that uh, despite uh, being rather constructive the last couple of years, um, the time has maybe come to be a little bit more, not pessimistic, but maybe a little bit more honest. You had one word after the game last night, desperate.
3: Yeah, I, that's how I felt. Um, and it was an interesting evening to the extent that I got a lot of messages um, last night, way more than after Leicester, mm-hmm. um, uh, from from people I know who are either supporters and, and some people who even work at the football club. And I think there was kind of a collective, um, what I felt was sadness, actually. You know, it wasn't, I guess it was a bit of shell shock after Leicester, a mm. um, little bit of kind of anger mixed in after that performance i i didn't even get that hit up or angry after the everton one i just felt sad because i just had this feeling of total inevitability in the end about how it went because for all like the trying to be optimistic and things i must admit about 20 minutes half an hour before kickoff i just started to think you know what i think they're going to get beaten here today this Mm. is going to be another depressing day um, and kind of, I think that we all had that mood, all of us who watch Saints a lot. Um, and then it, the players came out and looked like that's exactly what they had thought as well. Yeah, we're just going to get beat again today. Um, just no passion, no fight, no commitment, um, a, an absence of ability as well. Um, just really felt inevitable. And to be completely honest, I think we all just... We're looking at it, going, how how does this team stay in the division? Mm. What what is going to happen that is going to transform this? Because this is this is bad. I mean, it, in my eyes, it, I thought it was. I was more deflated after the Everton game, much more than after the Leicester game. Which sounds mad when they've lost nine nil, but um, you know, I, I just think we've scratched around for for the last couple of years looking for three worse teams basically to save us yep. rather than save ourselves. And as we've said on the pod before, if you keep doing that, eventually you can't find three worse teams. And right now, there are not three worse teams in the Premier League than than Saints. Um Norwich, yeah, I think they're they're doomed. They'll go down with a whimper. I suspect Aston Villa are not are not gonna do great either. And then you, at the moment, you look at the table and you almost feel like, unless something unlikely happens, as somebody plummets. We're only a third of the way through the season, and it's three from four to go down already. Mm. Um, n- not impossible somebody else could get dragged into it. But then I, I look at it, and I think, well, I'm, I'm thinking already, is this going to be a straight shoot-off between Saints and Watford? And if it is, I'll, I'll be honest, the way things are at the moment, I've, I've backed Watford. Yep. Um, I, it just, that's the sadness. The sadness is that there was just that feeling and, and logic tells me not to be so emotional about it. But I'm just saying what my emotions with it were that it just felt like,
2: oh, this, this team's going to get relegated. Mm. Steve, we've seen uh, some fairly turgid stuff at St Mary's over the past few years. I think, as Adam says, there was a an air of acceptance, probably you know, speaking on behalf of myself at five o'clock last night, that you kind of knew that result was going to happen yesterday. But despite Ralph talking about being brave in a positive 15, 20 minutes at the start of the game, we didn't get any of that. In fact, zero shots on or off target by half-time, and they just didn't seem up for it and really want it enough, did they?
1: It was, yeah, it was very odd, because Everton are a team that were absolutely there for the taking um I mean their their record, particularly away from home this season, um, absolutely speaks for itself. They are in that position for a very good reason, because they're not very good. And yet we came out um came out at the start of the game and it was like it was like we were playing um well, pretty much like playing Leicester again. There was no uh, no intensity, no um no sense of any sort of real shape to the team, no real game plan it looked It genuinely looked as if it was eleven strangers out there. yeah um, The only player who seemed to have any um, any urgency in terms of trying to organize people um, was Jack Stevens and he 's a guy who 's been basically not in the team for the best part of a year um, i mean he 's certainly not. He's not started a home game for for pretty much that long because mm. they the club basically felt that psychologically he couldn't cope with it because he was because he was getting um, pelters every week yep. and yet he's the one, he's the only one in that first half who who kind of stood up and said right I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I can do I mean I can't affect what everybody else does but I'm, I'm at least gonna have a go the rest of them were just garbage yeah um, there was just just
2: nothing there at all. And Lucy, I know you didn't get a chance to have a good rant after the uh, Leicester game like the the guys did. But uh, again, tactically and sort of line-up wise, um, the players aren't necessarily playing well. But again, there's a lot of questions around what we're doing in terms of selections and more questions being raised than answers, You know, including Gineppo starting at left-back, which again, having witnessed it first-hand at Sheffield United like you did earlier in the season was uh, kind of a concern before we even kicked off.
4: Yeah, well, I saw the Guardian were predicting him at left wing back, and I literally said to one of my friends, ha as if the Guardian are doing that. There's no way they'll do that because he was so bad at Sheffield United. And then I looked like a complete idiot because <laughs> there he was, sat there. I feel like we can make these points about the squad not being good enough, and I I, I kind of agree, it, it isn't really very good. But the point is, I'm not sure we're even making the best of the very limited resources we have at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's difficult to fathom what's going on with kind of selection issues. I know we had Bertrand not being available because of suspension and and issues like that. And Hojbjerg wasn't available for whatever reason. But even then, some of the selection policy just doesn't make any sense. Um, and and it's quite difficult to then come up with some kind of logical explanation as to how it, it could get better. Because you think, even if players return, do, do we make the most of them? Um I think selling Matt Target doesn't look that smart now if he literally won't play any other left back style player if the version isn't available. So I'm trying to make sense of it uh, and I can't really. And I agree with the others in the sense that it does feel worse than Leicester because we sat here a week ago and said oh yeah, I think, you know, we can get something out of that game. I think Everton aren't very good. Everton are terrible away from home, you know. They are there for the taking. And we put in a decent performance against Man City and didn't deliver and didn't show any more intent than we had against Leicester. And it feels like a lot of players, and I'm, I'm sure we're about to get on to Cedric and his interview, <laughs> I feel like a lot of players just don't really care now. Um, not really into it. Wouldn't matter where they were put on the pitch. they just don't really care anymore just really desperate deflating depressing and i've kind of had enough i think
2: i mean the only positive that i could really think of it was that you guys all predicted them to win and i didn't so uh, that was uh, the small mercy but this uh, the
4: last evening that happened <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah not making that mistake again no. um I, I mean you know we briefly touched on it there lucy just before um sort of get adams for you on uh The defeats and I I don't, and we've spoken about it briefly before. But other than Jake Vakins, who obviously doesn't want to to play there, I don't understand how a Premier League club can end up with no left footers in the squad if Ryan Bertrand is out injured. I mean, literally everyone else that we have is right footed, which which then means that we end up with that. Even if we're trying to play someone like a Cedric there, at least it's more of a natural position. But it's his wrong foot than Gineppo who's wrong foot and wrong position. I mean, I, I'd, I'd, you know, I find myself scratching my head. As in, if I was the manager of Saints, I just don't understand how these decisions would end up starting the game and being the way they are
4: it's like it's a random name generator. Ooh, who will play here today? It's like, like the old
2: center back roulette that we used to have ads. Yeah, I yeah. just I
4: don't I don't get it. I I, I sat there for ages trying to work it out. Is it, you know, is it Ralph trying to send a message to the board that he hasn't mm. got the players he wants, so he's just not going to play the right ones at all? Um is it genuinely that he thinks they should be Ajax style, everyone can play every position and if they don't understand that then they haven't grasped his football philosophy? or at this point does he just not know what he's doing and Mm. I'm I'm starting to wonder if it's the last one now and that's really depressing because inevitably we have the questions of whether Ralph should continue and I'm seeing why people are asking that but then I also look at the other options should that become the case and I'm not inspired by any of them either and I'm not convinced anyone at the moment could keep this squad afloat.
2: Yeah. Adam, uh, St Mary's was built in 2001 Saints have never lost four league games in a row at uh, St Mary's They have now not only that, they've conceded 21 goals in their six home games, which uh, I think Lucy, you retweeted a not to Joe thing yesterday, said it was the only time that it's ever been surpassed. I think it was Blackpool in 1930 or something like that off the top something of my like head. That. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I heard last night, which I didn't realise is, and it may not be 100% true, but it sounds like it could be true, is that Saints have not kept one home clean sheet in all the time that Ralph Hasenhutl has been at Saints, which I uh, found surprising in one way, but not surprising in another. But yeah, we've been speaking about some Mary's ads. I mean, it's just become a whatever the opposite of a fortress
3: is. That's a graveyard
2: for Saints, isn't it? That's an absolute
3: graveyard. The players don't want to play there. Mm. I mean, I've been asking Ralph about this for a very, very long time, and he has given fairly short shrift to to answering the questions that that I've put to him about it. Uh, And yet, to me, it couldn't seem any more obvious or any more stark. And Mm. if that's not the case, well... There's a very big problem then because they, they must be absolutely terrible if it's that they don't if given their record, if if it's not a, a psychological issue at St Mary's. Um the team seem to struggle uh particularly under any weight of pressure. Mm. Um because as I said when I was trying not to be trying to be optimistic or upbeat but, but also realistic after Man City, it's not that hard to when you're expected to lose, to just put eleven men in your own penalty area yep. and just try and block shots. That's not actually that hard to do. Yes, at Man City are a good team, but that requires literally no courage, no bravery, no heart, really other than a bit of effort um but what is harder in football is to be really brave on the ball to make brave decisions and, and things like that and that is where saints are, are lacking i mean ralph was speaking to him after the game yesterday was like yeah i mean the problem is we can't do both basically that seems to be the issue we can put everybody behind the ball and as you saw against man city that makes us hard to beat but we can't then attack and because if we do attack then we leave ourselves completely exposed and we can see goals mm. um and I mean that is no matter what we talk about with formations or tactics or whatever that is a very fundamental problem. If you've got players who are only able to either try not to concede goals and inevitably they still do, but try not to concede goals or try and score goals whilst also conceding them, that that's a yeah you know, for a football team this is pretty basic stuff you'd think. So the the whole vibe at Saint Mary's is just it's just rotten. Yeah. and and it's not hard to see why i've got total sympathy with the fans i mean they've just they've just had enough there was this hope that maybe ralph was going to be the one that could somehow turn it around but it, it the reality has always been what i've always said you're limited by your players and the same players who have failed who have not been up to it year in year out still aren't up to it now i mean it, it can anybody be surprised by this and uh, yeah i mean obviously you f- I, find, I find it a bit weird. It's a bit difficult at the moment because like, every time you try and discuss the team, somebody wants to drag in the wider conversation of how you got to this point, mm. which we've discussed you know, endlessly about Leper and Gao, et cetera, et cetera. And you almost feel like you need to reference that because otherwise people accuse you like you're somehow glossing over it. You're not. You're trying to focus on what the practicalities are of the football. Um, but at the moment, I just think psychologically – they are totally beaten up at St. Mary's. It's been that way for a long time. They've been awful at St. Mary's for a very, very long time now, even going back into Claude Puel's era yep. when they were getting all their best performances and results away from home. Um, and then that continued all the way through Pellegrino. It's continued through Hughes. It's continued through Harson with, as we said before, largely the same group of players. Obviously, there is an issue there. Um, and it just You just begin to feel like if all those different managers who must have tried so many different approaches behind the scenes, so many different things, can't change that, then uh, how, how, how does it change this season? If it doesn't change this season, they're going down. Uh, you'd rather they were playing these games that we've got coming up. Watford, Norwich. You are they're playing away from home, which is ridiculous.
2: I know it did make me chuckle. And I know it shouldn't have done. That uh, many of the fans that got their free scars were using them as blindfolds. Um, but uh, <laughs> 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 shouldn't I, make so me so laugh.
1: Just, but... I've just checked the uh, fixtures. Go back all the fixtures and results going back. Um, Good. Through, research, through these... la- last season,
2: um, one clean sheet at home there you go. under Hazen which there is against go. Fulham. Yes, of course, 2-0, there you go. So, and Fulham
4: were really dire, weren't
2: they? Steve, look, I mean, we've spoken about it loads and loads of times, but I just, again, trying to be constructive, I just don't understand why we are not coming out and giving it a go. We've spoken so many times about we'd rather lose a game 4-3 or something like that, but we are seeing the sideways and backwards passing again, which is never a good sign, but uh, surely, again, as a manager and as a team, you just think, look, we'll come out, we'll give it a go. They did it for 10 minutes after the second half yesterday, but surely it can't be that hard. I mean, how can you hit half-time with zero shots? Just come out and have a go at them it's it's weird i mean the 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 first 10 minutes i think
1: apart from when that sort of little sort of 60 second period where everton had like seemed to have like five shots in the space of about 10 seconds and then got the corner and then scored from it a rat, sort of either side of that we looked like we had something about us but i think we got into some wide positions and the cross would Was dreadful. Mm. There's one that Cedric tried to hit with the outside of his right foot rather than using his left foot because obviously, (laughs) um, and he shanked it straight over, straight over the, over the goal into the away end. And, and you kind of thought, right, okay, well, I can, I can kind of see what they're trying to do at this early stage. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what it, don't know what it was. Something just, I don't know whether there was, like, a tackle or something where someone, someone lost the ball. And all of a sudden, just everything just drained out of us. And you could see it. Like, um, shoulders dropped. There was no, um, no energy, no movement. Like, whenever any of our centre-backs were on the ball, basically, if you took a photo mm. and then took another photo three seconds later, nothing would have changed. Mm. There was nobody moving at all. Ings was basically stood next to Mason Holgate. Gineppo was stood out on the touchline, not getting the ball. Cedric was stood about 10 yards away from him, not getting the ball. And um, and it was kind of the same on the other side. Armstrong was basically stood um, chatting to Hasenhutl for most of the first half, I <laughs> assume. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, from what I heard from, from people who were sat over near the dugout, Hasenhutl was basically screaming at players to
2: put the press on. And there was no response. He was probably telling Stuart Armstrong how to play right wing back because I can't imagine he's ever done that mm. in his life either.
1: Well, quite possibly. <laughs> um, but the fact that there was just no response from anybody, mm. no, um, the, only, the only pressure we ever put on any of their players was um, Ings doing his sort of little run in thing whenever Pickford got the ball. Yeah. Which I mean is absolutely fair enough because Pickford is an abs- is a car crash waiting to happen mm. in in that scenario. But um, yeah, it's just just where where is like you people have been talking up all week that this is the game that you've got to kind of go at and look to try and um, sort of assert yourself and get on the front foot and make sure that um, Everton are on the back foot because when they're on the back foot, they will um, they will crap themselves. They won't they won't be up for it um, as they've demonstrated this season away from home. And yet we allowed them to basically what they want it was basically that first half was a training session for them yeah there was no nobody needed to break sweat from from everton because nobody was breaking sweat from us
2: lucy it's easy to say it when things are going badly um i think we'll still all agree collectively that partly for the reasons we will struggle to get anyone better that ralph is still the man to take saints forward but just in light of how things are going at the moment and all the issues that we're seeing do you think he's lost the dressing room
4: um probably <laughs>
2: so so how does he, i know it's a hard question but how does he get that back without changing the players in january which is two months away
4: i just think when you get to this point trying to simplify things might help mm. um in the sense that we've kind of got very over complex with you know weird systems different players playing in very strange positions and i just wonder you know in the next game maybe taking it back to a back four that's familiar with playing with each other so even despite his comments to the press you know someone like Cedric who's played a lot um yeah. Shida who's played a lot regular players that are used to playing in a certain system maybe even going back to a 4231 which we haven't done in a while but you know was kind of the way this team used to play mm. um taking things back to basics as much as possible and stripping out some of the extra stuff that goes along um, and and trying it that way. But yeah, I don't know. I think there are reasonable questions about whether Hasenhutl really has this dressing room anymore, given the way it just kind of rolled over. So it becomes quite difficult in that sense. But I just wonder if you make this less about Hasenhutl and his thoughts on how the game should be played and and kind of his experiments and and just make it a bit more of a bog standard game but i don't know i i think at this point it's pretty difficult to offer any obvious recommendations because at this point you probably already tried them given that a lot of what adam's just talked about has been going on for years literally years
2: no that's fair enough and i think that's the challenge adam isn't it that if you do try and change it around to a 4231 you're then trying to teach the players something else again and uh, look just so lucy doesn't think i'm picking on her adam do you think he's lost the dressing room and if so how does he turn it around?
3: um hard to say that he's lost the dressing room uh, i don't i don't honestly uh a bit like lucy i can't honestly say it. i don't think any of us can we can only speculate um yeah. even from my position you know where i obviously hear a lot of things that are said and a lot of things are said to me by play, by players but <laughs> potentially but people in and around the club and and the squad um uh but even then I, t- I always take everything with a slight pinch of salt in the respect that you, if you're not in there, you don't really, mm-hmm. you don't really know. And I've not come across a manager yet in 16 managers at saints that the players have really liked, um, but be say <laughs> so tolerate them occasionally when things are going well. Um, but players being players, they generally don't tend to like the manager very much. So mm-hmm. they don't normally need much excuse. um, but the thing I would say is if if um, if he has lost the dressing room um, to any degree, how much of that is directly what he's done, I don't know. Because, the, again, these same group of players seem to have decided that they don't like the last few managers mm. and have kind of contributed to the downfall of a whole heap of them. And at some point, I think the club... A, a right to do what I think they're doing now, which is to say, no, this is the guy. So you guys have got to get on with it As you cannot just continue to chop and change managers all the time. And I, I actually think, to be honest with you, given the way things have gone now, um, events could overtake, obviously. But I, I think that the club are doing the right thing to stick by Haas and to make it clear to the players that they're going to stick by Haas and and actually to be in a position where we're going to say, which I think is what a lot of fans will will ultimately probably come to accept, of we will accept our fate because the club, as it stands for everything that's happened, are just we've talked about it before all these changes all these late survivals all we're doing here is paper it over the cracks and if there's not going to be a fundamental change as long as they're in the Premier League maybe they're best off not being in the Premier League and we get the fundamental change that is going to make this club better again yeah um And maybe actually just sticking with a manager rather than bidding off another manager and, you know, chucking another 10 million quid down the Swanee to get rid of Ralph. And God knows what it will cost to hire somebody else and whether they'll be successful anyway. Um, What what, I just come to the conclusion now, I'm like, what is the point? I don't agree personally with some of the decisions Ralph has made. They're not decisions I would have made, Um, you know, but then I'm I'm not a professional football manager and got no experience unlike him. But um, uh, that said, when do you draw the line? When do we stop just calling for the manager's head all the time? When do we learn our lesson that, you know, I don't I don't accept that Claude Puel was a bad manager and everybody drummed him out of the club. Maurizio Pellegrino probably wasn't quite up to it, but he wasn't absolutely dreadful. He wasn't a complete clown. We drummed him out of the club. Mark Hughes came in, saved them, brilliant. Wow, he's a flavour of the month. Decided we didn't like him within about 3 weeks of the new season, got him drummed out of the club. Ralph comes in. Oh, he's the saviour. Oh, bad start to this season with the same players again. Well, let's get him out. I mean, come on. Come hmm. on. This is this makes no sense to anybody. Um and and if they get another manager in and they get another brief bounce effect and they somehow scrape over the line again, would you know? Are we just going to be in this same situation again and again and again and again? Sometimes you've got to break the cycle, and I think that if they believe in Ralph, if the board believe in Ralph now, they should have the courage of their convictions
2: to stick with him. I knew you'd be happy to know that Claude Powell's won uh, three of his four games in charge at Sanetian in the uh, Liga. Um, but uh, there we go. Look, um, good manager, good manager. Yeah. Um, look, Steve. Um, Lucy mentioned Cedric earlier. I know that pretty much every Saints player let themselves down yesterday, but. He was one that I did want to mention because, as Lucy mentioned earlier, there was a uh, rather bizarre interview with a North West-based uh, journalist this week where Cedric uh, has stated that he will be leaving Saints next summer, yet we saw him recalled to the line-up against Everton. So do you think that kind of sums up the shambles, I'll call it, at Saints currently with you know someone like him that's hooked after 45 minutes because he's been dour, that we've got too many half-hearted players that really don't give a you-know-what?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure I'd necessarily go that far because I think... Ultimately, most players do have professional pride, pride mm-hmm. in their own performance. I don't think that genuinely there are that many Premier League players who go out on the pitch not giving a toss. Yep. I mean, there are, there are obviously certain different levels of that. But I think that players have just got to be smarter in terms of what they say and who they say it to. Because I mean, in in other in other countries, Cedric's um, Cedric's situation would be uh, particularly in Germany. Cedric's situation would be absolutely normal. Yeah, he's he's out of contract at the end of the season. Um, he's probably to- presumably told the club I'm not going to sign a new deal. Um, he's free to speak to foreign clubs on January the first. Um, with a view to sign the Bosman deal for, for next summer. Yeah. And that's accepted. That's the way uh, things work and that's absolutely fine. In this country, we're, we're a little bit weird in terms of loyalty and, um, oh, playing oh. for the shirt and all, and all these various buzzwords that you can come up with. Um, but I think that at times you just got to be a little bit smarter and, and doing that interview, I mean, with obviously Leicester still in, still f- fairly fresh in people's minds. Mm. And then the team puts in that first forty-five minutes. Clearly, he's the one that's going to be singled out because he's the one that's um, done this interview with the Telegraph and has basically stated his stated his aims that he's going that he's going to be leaving. And very strange article in in the Telegraph saying that, um, like, saying that he had a successful loan spell at Inter Milan last season, where he made four appearances in Serie A.
2: Like, <laughs> really. That's
1: that's successful. Okay, fine.
2: Maybe he played really um, well in all those games.
1: Yeah, Cedric who joined Southampton in twenty fifteen from sporting has been one of the most
2: consistent fullbacks in the Premier
1: League with his energy, attacking style, and phenomenal crossing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, let's let's rewind this, shall we? Okay. Hundred and twenty five games Cedric has
2: played for Southampton. He has ten assists. I'm loving your research tonight, Steve. Well done.
1: Yeah, thanks to Transfer transfermarkt and who saw the, uh, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the numbers. There. sponsor it's, it's
2: sponsoring just, Steve Grant. Yeah, it's,
4: it's just <laughs> <laughs> also one of those four Serie A appearances was as a sub with like two minutes to go.
2: Injury time. Yeah, it's just
1: I and mean, as we know in terms of sort of current affairs, just lying and b- is the accepted way, and you that's that's what people do now, and and apparently that's that's the way sports writing's going to go as
2: well. Yeah. So if you don't big yourself up though, Steve, no one else will, eh? Well, potentially. I mean, I think I'm a pretty good podcast host. Anyway, right.
1: My my, my CV is interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's just... Yeah, I mean, I've had four good pods in the last four months. So anyway, right. Lucy, one small positive. Uh, Another goal for Danny Ings. So as uh, Steve mentioned earlier, sort of one of the uh, players that probably, you know, probably the only player actually that's come out of the season so far in uh, credit. But uh, good for him to get another goal and uh, at least some glimmer of hope up the top end of the pitch.
4: I mean, I guess so.
2: Totally. Um, Come, well... on. Come on, let's be positive. We've had loads <laughs> of negatives and everyone <laughs> will moan that we're not being balanced.
4: Okay, okay. I don't
2: think anybody's going to moan at the moment. <laughs> <laughs>
4: there's not, a, there's, there's
1: many other things to moan about. Yeah, yes, yes.
4: Um, yeah no, that is good. It's good. Um, he's clearly in good form. I think we have this common problem where, well, we haven't had it for a while, but we we, ne- we finally get a striker that can score goals and then all of the other goals in the team dry up. And that's a bit of a problem because it used to be that we didn't have a striker that could score goals, but we'd grab, you know, five from War prowse and five from Redmond or whatever, and you know, mm. and kind of cobble it together that way. We've now lost those goals completely, and and now we have a striker that can score. So you know, not
2: the great Southampton
4: contextually, way. but for him personally, um, obviously good, and he is a really um impressive player, I think.
2: Well, no, I totally agree. And it's nice to see someone playing with a bit of passion, isn't it? So, uh, all right then, Adam, to finish up uh, this section then, um, thankfully for all of us, again, there's another international break. Um Woohoo <laughs> Where do Saints go from here? I mean, they've got two weeks. I obviously said that the Everton game was uh, going to kick-start their season, the same as I did the Wolves game after the last international break. Um So, assuming that we come back from the international break and the Arsenal game is going to kick off Saints' season, what are they got to do the next couple of weeks? Because it seems to me like there's a heck of a lot.
3: Well, wow, I mean, it's a big question, isn't it? I'm not sure Ralph knows the answer right now. I think he's got to he's got to work it out. I mean, obviously he's got the. I don't know whether it's a blessing or not that that a bunch of players will obviously disappear for a for a couple of weeks not or the many, best though. part of a fortnight. Um, get, get, get out of my sight,
1: Cedric yeah.
2: Suarez, of course, international fullback. Well, yeah, I know. yeah,
1: but but like Portugal have got like three good right backs now, so he's yeah. probably third yeah. choice at best. Well, he won't think that. Well, no, as that Telegraph article
3: also also says, but yeah, it's, pff, uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if you're Ralph, where do you where do you kind of go? I mean, it's unless he's got a a, a really, I mean, you'd love to think there's a really radical idea, but as the guy said earlier, I think if, if there were radical ideas, they'd be tried by now. Um, I tell you what, I reckon they're missing is the uh, the
2: breakfast with Ralph Krueger um, and Les Reed. Well, maybe that's it. Well, oh, yes,
3: yes. I mean, let's yeah. anyway, Blimey. joking taking aside. I tend to agree that probably the key is to try and um, is to actually try and have a, have a vision again. I mean, we've talked about it before and to just find a way of playing that's simple, that, that's straightforward. I think when I look at the Saints squad, I know it's out of fashion again, but I, I do think the four, two, three, one is worth looking at again. Um, and, and just go with it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I said this last year under, under Hughes as well, when, when he was obviously getting pelters for playing Wesley Hood for, for several games in a row. And, and yeah, OK, Wesley wasn't great. But obviously we, we talked a lot in the previous 12 months about the centre-back um, lottery every week. And actually, he, I, for me, Hughes there did the right thing and that, yes, he might have picked the wrong ones. <laughs> but he actually at least said, you know what, these are the two I think are going to work best. So I'm just going to play him. I'm just going to stick with it. And if it goes wrong once or twice, you know what? I'm still going to stick with it because I think this is right rather than just keep chopping and changing everything. And that's what I'd like to really see from Ralph is actually just to not have all this sort of experimentation and this player playing in this odd position and this player stuck out somewhere else. It's actually just to go, let's just find the best formation for the, to get what I think are the best 11 players in the team. And let's just... Stick with it and let's see what happens. Let's let's try and put the focus back on to Saints and Saints doing well rather than just the focus continually being on the opposition and how worried we are about, you know, individual players or collectively with, with the team and actually just just try and have that focus on what they want to do because if the you know if he's saying that we can't get the balance right between attack and defense and and like the press is basically just can't happen because at the moment if we try and press then we just you know, we can't do it and we just concede loads of goals well you've got to come up with it you've either got to make that work or come up with a different style and i think it doesn't look like it's going to work confidence is shot in trying to do it this way so try and do something else and and yeah i would change formation i would make it very simple and and I decide what players I thought were going to work for me and stick with them, because I think Ralph almost now needs to look like look at this situation um, like he did when he came in uh, after Hughes, because after 12 games this season, Saints have got eight points. That's exactly the same number of points they had after 12 games last season. Mm-hmm. So and things were not going well, obviously, as they are not this season. So, uh, but when he came in he had this great clarity of vision as to what he was going to do the way they were going to play he quickly assessed players he bombed the load out he brought one or two in from the fringes and made those calls on those players I think he needs to just make those calls again now he almost needs to look at this as if he's walking in the door again now and this has been a previous manager that's had this bunch of players and what would I do with them now rather than just trying to stick with something that's not working
2: Now, as many of you will likely know, Virgin Media have been one of Saints' key sponsors the last three seasons and will be until at least the end of the 2021-22 season. Here to talk a little bit more about that, and in particular some upcoming women's football, is Joe Shetterline, who is a senior campaign manager at Virgin Media and oversees the partnership with Saints. Joe, welcome to the podcast.
5: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: Virgin Media were, of course, initially the main shirt sponsors for the men's Saints team from 2016 to the end of last season. The agreement was then extended, but with you becoming men's shirt sleeve sponsors right down to under 18 level, as well as the women's team shirt sponsors. So I know there's more to your sponsorship than just kit commitment, Joe, but how good has it been to see the Virgin Media brand emblazoned on those and around the club in general?
5: Uh, Well, it's really exciting. I mean, the Southampton Partnership is such a key part of the sponsorship activity that we have at Virgin Media. And I think with the addition of the women's um, and the unders as part of that, we're really, really excited about what that opens up for us as a new exciting opportunity for this year. I think, especially for the women, as you know, that's going through a massive period of change right now, yep. um, and the impact of the, the World Cup this year. Um, and the women are doing amazingly. You know, the team have, have only just entered its third season, um, and the performances that they've had on the pitch have been absolutely incredible. Mm. Um, and as part of that, we were just so impressed with the vision the club had, and we're really, really keen to be part of that journey with them. Um, and I think we're just really committed to ensuring that all of our partnerships that we have are fully inclusive and by adding the women's team into our partnership with the men's team it just gives us that extra opportunity and ability to really achieve that ambition
2: yeah absolutely and uh, look in a nutshell joe other than on the pitch um i think many people will probably know a fair bit about virgin media and some of the sponsorship you uh, get involved in with the club but what are some of the things that maybe fans won't necessarily know about or not all fans would know about is there particular key things that you guys are doing in, in partnership with the club
5: yeah, absolutely. Our biggest focus um, is our Super Saints campaign. Mm. So that's something that we launched last season. And I think fans may have seen it around and about, but I think we're we're keen to make sure that as many fans um, as possible are aware of what we're doing. What we know is that Saints fans are amazing um, and truly kind of loyal and dedicated. And the point of the Super Saints campaign is to really recognize that and show that we understand how important fans' roles are in the performance of the team on the pitch. So we really want to recognize and show how we understand that and reward the fans for everything that they're doing and their kind of commitment to the team. Um, And what we do is everything from some really fun competitions, um, giving people a free pie or a pint, little touches like that, ice creams people may have seen around the stands, Um, but also looking at how we can give them more access to players, um, whether that's in person or through creating some kind of cool content that they can watch from the comfort of their own sofas. We've even worked with Francis Benali to create our own version of the uh, Popemobile with our and Saintsmobile <laughs> to drive around and just bring a bit of fun. To mm. you know, Football is fun, sport is fun. Um, what we want to do as a sponsor is really inject the personality that we have at Virgin Media and just use that to make uh, fans' experiences of watching their favourite team better than ever.
2: Yeah, I think we've all noticed the Virgin Media advertising as well. So the Ralph Hampton and the Danny Ings and things like that, that you drive around the city and yeah. sort of make you chuckle, those sorts of things. Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned um, Francis Benali. He was on the pod last weekend, obviously, as a bit of a club legend. As you say, I know that he's your Super Saints ambassador. So what's it like having him involved? Because, again, that's someone that fans will instantly connect with because of his history with the club.
5: Yeah, I mean, we love Franny. He, like you say, he has become a bit of an ambassador for our Super Saints campaign. Um, and he's such a pleasure to work with. He just brings a real sense of joy and fun into everything that we do. And it's great to be able to work with a legend and give fans access to him, uh, show that we can just bring a bit of fun to to everything that we do. And
2: yeah, we love him. All right. So one of the key things that we wanted to talk about and absolutely um, sort of signpost ahead of uh, this coming weekend is the uh, first FA related women's football weekend, uh, which is obviously great to see. I think as you sort of hit the nail on the head, Joe, it's uh, a massive part of the game nowadays with uh, women's football. So as part of the initiative and the the fact that the international break is on in the men's game, the FA are calling on supporters to make the most of the free weekend to back women's football and attend a women's match anywhere in the country at any level of the pyramid. At the moment, Saints women are playing AFC Bournemouth in the quarterfinal of the Hampshire Cup, which will be down at AFC Totten's Ground on Salisbury Road. That's due to kick off at 2 o'clock on the 17th of November. Tickets will be £2 for adults and free for concessions. As part of Virgin Media's commitment then, Joe, um the women's team in particular, Saints, the FA Women's Football Weekend, you've got some special plans lined up for that, right?
5: Yeah, absolutely. We do sponsored games for the men's team um, each season. And as part of our sponsorship, we're really keen to make sure that we do the same for the women's that we do for the men. so that match will be our first official sponsored uh women's game and we're really encouraging all saints fans anybody in the community to just come on down to um afc totten and just show their support for the women's team it's our real desire to break that home attendance record um which currently sits at about 550 people so we really really want as many people to come down as possible and really get behind the women We won't kind of spoil too much what we've got (laughs) planned, but we're going to have some special guests and giveaways um, and just do some nice rewards for fans to show that we get behind the women's as much as we do the men's.
2: Well, it sounds excellent, and, uh, yeah, a few, uh, exciting plans in there that I think people, uh, as long as you get along to the game, then are gonna, uh, be able to make the most of. As, uh, Joe mentioned earlier, the women's team, uh, are doing fantastically, which is good to see someone within the club doing well at the moment. Um, some stats just to, uh, yeah. sort of, uh, again, help you if you're thinking about making the trip along this, uh, weekend coming is that, uh, ahead of the, uh, FA Cup first round, Saints, uh, women have played 12 games. They've won 11. They've drawn one. They've scored 60 goals during that time. So I think you're guaranteed some action. You're guaranteed some goals. Two pound for adults, as I mentioned afc totten football ground two o'clock on the 17th of november joe look thanks for coming on the podcast this week good luck to you and virgin media for next week during the uh, women's football weekend keep up the good work and more importantly on uh, behalf of everyone i think thanks for all the uh, great work you're doing with saints in general
5: oh my pleasure thanks so much for having me
4: Saints podcast. Saints podcast sponsored by happyhot
2: Right, it's taken a while. Well, certainly some would probably agree, but we're going to bring a bit of culture and sophistication to TSP to end this week's podcast as we undertake our first ever film review. How exciting! I'm delighted to say the man behind the film and also one of our TSP patrons, a massive Saints fan, William Portus, joins me for a brief chat about it. Will, firstly, welcome to TSP. Nice to have you on. Oh, cheers, Ben. It's, it's it is a mighty privilege. Oh, I don't, I'm blushing now, but you don't need to say that. But uh, <laughs> um, look, I mean, the, the film then is uh, called The Name. Uh, it's written and produced by yourself. So tell us a bit about where the idea came from and sort of why or how you're involved in putting something like this together.
6: Yeah, well, it's it's a really weird one, Ben. Uh, well, actually, first of all, hello to all you beautiful, wonderful Saints fans. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it it is a weird one. Because I don't actually know where the idea came from. I, I live in London, and I think it was like this element of me that wanted an excuse to just get out of London. Yeah. And then I started thinking about all the beautiful places I used to go to as a kid. So like West Wittering down in Chichester, uh, Petworth, uh, Petworth Park. And then I knew this fantastic actor, Tim Bentinck, who played Ricky. The lead uh, role, yeah, and I thought mm, what could i what could I do like would be quite interesting to put a second hand car salesman type of guy in the middle of the countryside, and what would happen, you know, and it just sort of it just came from there really and i as like we were saying before we uh went live <laughs> um i i, I don 't even know how I came to 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 do writing really it 's one of those things where you go. Well, sort of not failed at podcasting, but it wasn't really my thing. You know, you, you're you're way better at it, Ben. You know, the, the professionalism in.
2: Well, I'm still not sure it's my thing, really. But yeah, we'll find Mate, out sooner uh, or later. <laughs> I'm, I'm
6: a patron. I, I'm a, I'm a tight ass, and I never give my money to anybody. So you know, fair enough. It it must be good. Um... <laughs> And yeah, so that didn't work, uh, or at least you know I, I, I don't know I wasn't completely. It was politics, it.
2: though, Wasn't it? I mean, I did listen to a couple yeah. of them, so it's quite a, an intense subject, yeah. Especially in this very, day age, very,
4: yes.
6: very man. Like Brexit, was it ate me alive, <laughs> and I thought, well, what do I want to do now? So I just started writing, mm. and the, the the guy Tim, like I said, Tim Bentinck, who plays the main character in the film. It just sprung to mind, and I started writing for him, which was which was bizarre because I met him via this political podcast of mine. Uh, I invited him on the show just to to change the mood for a Christmas special kind of thing, like more more wise. But um, <laughs> but for those of you that, that don't know who Tim is, he's uh, he plays David Archer in the Archers, so he's been in doing the Archers for like thirty five years. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is something so yeah I've been listening to The Archers for like seven or eight years now my full-time job is a gardener so I'll just be like gardening away listening to The Archers and going oh that's Tim oh okay yeah, yeah what can I write for Tim and I just came up with this this idea for the film really
2: there you go and look we're not going to give much away because obviously we want people to watch it uh if they haven't already but uh in a nutshell then, Will, it follows a man who, as you say, having woken up in the countryside, receives a variety of text messages which eventually take him into a, into and onto an interesting journey, shall we say that?
6: Yeah, no, that's 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 about right, mate. That's that's a pretty good synopsis. You know, it's one of those things that's um, it's very minimal dialogue. So if if any of you guys out there that like not not necessarily like modern silent movies, you Mm. know, like The Artist and that sort of thing, um, it's not completely silent, but there's you know there's spots of dialogue here and there that are either comedic or quite heavily emotional. the The middle of the film becomes a little bit more intense um so yeah it was it was quite it was quite interesting you know having to to write um character movements and pauses or just facial expressions you know as opposed to like highly volatile dialogue so that was that was lots and lots of fun but like I said, like the it's for anybody who loves their countryside. It's it's quite cool to sort of have a moment to escape for, It's only twenty minutes. Um, escape into the to the depths of the countryside and, and what have you. you know? yeah.
2: Well, I, I've I've watched it as we were saying uh, just before we came on air. I, I found it uh, quite emotional. So I'm sure people will as well. Certainly uh, pleased with all of your uh, sensitives uh, and that sort of thing. But look, here's a, a few clips from the uh, film uh, for you guys to listen to.
0: Ah, uh, phone. Is that you? Oh, fire. I couldn't have wished for anything now. Come here. Is that a playable surface? Huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's It's perfect.
6: You're united, you certainly ain't no saint. United? Anyway, united played in red, saints played in yellow. I think we're past attention to detail. (laughs) Yeah, right. Did you ever expect such a day as this? Real men stay, they don't run.
2: More importantly then, Will, I think uh, probably understandable due to your love of them as well. There is a, a link and a, a bit of passage uh, about Saints and uh, in particularly 1976.
6: Yeah, you know, that, that was unavoidable. I, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, you know, it, 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 it's so funny, isn't it? As I, I've written a little bit here and there for various blogs about Southampton. I've, I've done occasional guest spots on some Saints podcasts and I, I was just like, it's got to come out. Do you know what I mean? It's, like totally. it's got to come out come out somehow. And I, and I was just like, oh, what's our, the greatest moment? I mean, obviously, it's debatable what is our greatest moment as a, as a club. But and <laughs> neither of us were alive for no, it. No, exactly. exactly. Um, but, you know, and I just thought, sod it, I'm going to put it in. And there's a big reference in the middle to the FA Cup final, but it's quite comedic. Mm. And it, I think it plays up to a certain character's psychosis, that it is comedic, but also quite i don't know like quite intense as well so yeah and this character wears the southampton top throughout the film so that it's like if he's not talking about it then it's there exactly. i was like yeah and and uh it's from the most beautiful part of the world isn't it you know the south coast exactly, so, yes. minus portsmouth of course well yeah.
2: obviously yeah we draw a line through that yeah, one but uh, yeah. look, i mean I, I know it's still early days but what sort of feedback have you had so far
6: yeah really amazing it's all been it's, it's all been like via Facebook because um, it's a very low key you know obviously we don't have
2: distribution
6: you know <laughs> I, I did, Spielberg did nay come a knocking
2: no Leicester Square premiere no
6: no Leicester Square you know <laughs> not this year big man so maybe next year with our next film mm. but, uh, but yeah so it, it's really it's on Facebook so you can search facebook.com forward slash the name film right or we've got a website called uh, Someday Days are diamonds.co.uk, um, some days are diamonds.co.uk and that's because of a Tom Petty song. So I'm a massive Tom Petty fan, so I just thought let's let's lay it out on the on the table because we 'cause we're gonna be doing other projects as well down the line. So I thought I'll keep it interesting, you know?
2: Yeah, good, all right. And uh, obviously you've got aspirations to sort of I'm sure do a follow up and that sort of thing. But in terms of this film, then what are the hopes, just that it gets your name out there or it generates some discussion and people get in touch, or what, what are well, you hoping yeah. from it?
6: Yeah, exactly. So it, it does generate a bit of conversation because, I mean, it's hard to talk about the inner message of this film without completely spoiling it away. Yeah, totally. Exactly. But there's another film we've got lined up um, in the pipeline that's about three weeks away now from production. So going into like literally and action. So that's only three weeks away. And that's got about four members of the Archers cast in it. And <laughs> it's obviously related to Tim and to everything, you know. Yeah, so hopefully that's more intense. That's more about dark subjects, about uh, PTSD and um, and what have you. Yeah, and that will be coming out um, hopefully in about six to six to eight months. But yeah, it's going to be mad, Ben. Honestly, completely mad. Like just a gardener making a film.
2: Well, it's good. I mean, just finally. I mean, how sort of exciting is it for you there, being behind the camera, watching these guys living it out? A bit surreal, isn't it?
6: it really it really is man it really is because like you know people listening to this who've just got aspirations to do anything creative as Mm. you'll know whether it's building a website making a podcast whatever it is even just writing a blooming memoir it's mad to like have it in the world out there you know it really is and just from my experience i've done a little bit of filmmaking before but this in particular the short film the name is really random to be watching these guys knock it out the park like take your dialogue and really make something quite amazing out of it so if if i do say so myself <laughs> but uh yeah you know it's a real it's, it's really fantastic and i would urge anybody creative out there to just get going and do it you know
2: absolutely all right well just uh, before you go then will um where can people find you on uh, twitter if they want to start following you and uh, keeping in touch with all of this alongside the film work well i'm at pirate underscore st Good stuff, All right. well that is the name that has been written and produced by Will, so go check it out Um, You'll be able to find it underneath the uh, release of this podcast So whether you're uh, looking in Twitter or uh, Facebook, it'll be under uh, one of the comments Um, In terms of uh, the film, Will, it's five stars from us, obviously
6: (laughs) Cheers mate, that's very, very sweet of you
2: Well, if you're still with us, a big thank you for listening. It's much appreciated. Thanks to Joe at Virgin Media and Will for being on this episode. Thankfully, it's another international break, as we mentioned earlier, so we'll be taking next week off. Please get out and support Women's Football Weekend if you can, wherever you are in the country. Also, why not make the most of that spare time by buying a TSP100 live ticket? They'd also make wonderful Christmas gifts, I'm sure. Tickets will be available from 9am on the 11th of November, but are limited in numbers. Visit Eventbrite, E V E N T B R I T E D for all your ticketing details and the four of us look forward to catching up with you on the 10th of January 2020. As always, a big thanks to Adam, Steve and Lucy as well. After the recent Things Can Only Get Better by Deream ending, I found myself heading back to the 90s for this week's ending as well. Drinking a variety of alcohol, singing songs about the good times and getting up when you've been knocked down is exactly what us Saints fans are having to do regularly nowadays. Keep marching in. (laughs)